Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. You can also listen to episodes on our church YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in. And today I'm joined by Pastor Felicidad de Martinez, who is on staff here at Church of the Nazarene. And also joining us is uh, Russell Leary. How are you all doing today? Well, I'm delightful to be here with you guys. This is a really nice uh, day. And, uh, well, just excited about what we're doing here. How are you today, Russell? I'm doing really well. Excited to be here. Thankful for this opportunity and always amazed by the work done here at Harrisburg Church of the Nazarene. So, And Russell is the director of New Bridges, and he's here today to share with us about their organization and their ministry and the work that they do. But Russell, uh, just kind of a lighthearted question that Pastor Margaret and I usually start out with. Uh, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Start with a tough one. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that the quick answer that comes to mind is mint chocolate chip. Uh, it's just easy. Everybody does mint chocolate chip really well. But if I wanted to really reach and be exotic, there's Grammys. Okay. As an incredible Oreo, Java kind of coffee ice cream that okay. is really awesome. Yeah, I was, it's cool that you mentioned that. I was going to ask if there was a specific place where you liked your mint chocolate chip. Yeah, so uh, Klein's is eat. I can walk okay. to Klein's from okay. my office, but... The kids like Grammys more. Yeah. I'm just plain. I like vanilla, but Klein's is one of my favorite. Hard to beat. Um, Russell, just start out uh, telling us a little bit about where you're from and about how you grew up. Sure. So my life was a pretty ordinary suburban, you know, middle class family life until I was about six years old. And I don't recall it super clearly because I was young, but I remember my parents saying we were moving to this place called Ukraine. And I didn't really understand it. I just knew that a couple of years before that, my dad had come back from some long trips with some tanks and some toys. And apparently he had been going to do some discovery about whether that would be a good place for our family to go serve as missionaries. Um, And we actually intended to go earlier, but were delayed by my younger sister's birth. Uh, She was born with some severe birth complications. But the idea was to partner with an organization called the Navigators and to go into the former Soviet Union and to rebuild and replant churches that had been destroyed or shut down during the Soviet Union. You probably know that the Soviet Union didn't have any interest in having any org centers of life that didn't revolve around the state. So that really meant uh, destroying and tearing down the family and making work the center of that, but also meant taking down the church since it provided people a center of life. So all that to say, in 1996, my family moved to Ukraine. My parents dropped me into Ukrainian private school and and basically said, all right, you're gonna you're gonna learn this language, you're gonna learn this culture, and boy, those were those were some tough tough months early on. Uh, really, the first year of living in Ukraine was just kind of culture shock everywhere. I'll never forget the first day of school. I go in and I see this piece of bread that looks like it has some kind of spread on it, and I'm like, oh, that looks like a good little snack. Well, get into it. It turns out it's fish paste, not something I'm used to eating. And I'm also not used to having to finish every single thing that comes on my plate. Because of Ukraine and what they lived through, they lived through a famine called the Holmador. Part of their culture was that you're going to eat everything on your plate. <laughs> so that first day, eating that 
first you know piece of toast with fish paste on it i knew i was in for a learning experience thankfully i had a really really wonderful tutor who came alongside me and helped me to learn the language and to make a long story short uh four years later when it was actually time for us to leave i was basically felt like i was a ukrainian boy more so than anything else um so my family had another stint in ukraine i actually finished high school over there after spending some time in the u.s but overall my life was really formed by those years in ukraine as a missionary kid and my parents continued to serve overseas, actually, until they retired last year. You mentioned that your parents were missionaries until they retired last year. Is there a specific moment maybe that sticks out to you where you came to make that decision for yourself to accept Christ? Um, we talk about if we were fortunate enough to grow up in the church, kind of going because our parents tell us we're going, you know. I mean, maybe we want to go, but at some point we have to make that decision personally for ourselves. Yeah, that's a great question. I remember being really young when I first prayed the prayer, so to say, but I don't think um, I really came to own my faith until I was in high school. And I had some really great experiences at a summer camp that I went to called Summer's Best Two Weeks, and it was really formative for me. It's a place where I learned to worship God and everything that I did, and especially doing sports because it's a sports camp. But yeah, I think that throughout that time, and then even in my time in college when I served um as a leader in InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, uh, was where I slowly, it was a journey, but um, came to see God as my Savior. And, and now today, I can't live my life without that faith. It's, it's central to who I am. So, uh, Russell, uh, how did you end up here in the Shenandoah Valley, and how did you uh, end up, and how long have you been with New Bridges? Sure. My first stint in the Shenandoah Valley was as a JMU student. So I came to JMU from Ukraine. I actually never even toured the campus. Um, I just had a lot of counselors on my summer camp that were JMU students, and they were people who just loved life, were a lot of fun, and really cool people. And I was like, I want to go where they're going. So I came to JMU in 2008, and I was here for five years as a student. I um, got my master's degree in teaching in 2013, um, got married that same summer, and then my wife and I lived here for one more year as I was teaching over in Greene County, actually just yeah. over the mountain on 33. And then we moved away so that my wife could go to nursing school, and we spent the last seven years in the Charlottesville area, in Crozet, and then north of Charlottesville. But this past year, 2021 really, is when I started looking for employment again in Harrisonburg, and that's when I stumbled across the position at New Bridges. A really a providential thing. I mean, I was just on Indeed one day, feeling like I was ready for a new challenge, ready to have a, a different impact on the world. Uh, you know, as a teacher, I really felt like I was doing a lot of good and trying to help my students become people that were not just educated, but were well-formed people. And that was great. And I did that for nine years and I loved it. But um, I knew I was kind of feeling ready for, for something new. So I saw the Newbridge's position, and I thought, well, I'm not really qualified for this job as executive director. I've led teams of teachers, and I've led teams of students, but never led an organization. And uh, they really wanted a Spanish speaker, but I'm a Russian speaker, but thought I'd apply anyway. And yeah, next thing I know, and I'm offered the job, and I started in March of this year. Russell, um, I remember when we first met, mm-hmm. and, I, and when you were telling me who you represented, mm-hmm. and I remember the excitement and that you had in your voice and you telling me, you know, I'm the new kid in the, in the block. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, so it was really um, uh, uh, delightful to see someone younger mm. <laughs> um, with that passion 
and compassion for our community. Uh, would you tell us then uh, what is it that New Bridges do for mm -hmm. the community? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So let me go back to the beginning of when New Bridges was formed, and I'll bring it up to the present. Um, so New Bridges was formed in 2000 by the Harrisonburg District of the Virginia Mennonite Conference. And the folks in that group of churches um, really were paying attention to their community. They were seeing what was happening in Harrisonburg. They were seeing the vast amounts of migrant labor coming to the community, and then that was leading to you know more settled communities and then just waves of immigration from refugee resettlement as well. And they are realizing that these folks coming into this community could benefit from some resources. Uh, I think oftentimes the folks that might have helped to bring them here, so for example, like poultry industry, you know, they're really interested in seeing migrant labor come here and not necessarily concerned about making sure they have all the other things that they need to thrive in this community. So Newbridges was formed with the vision for forming a thriving community that everyone can call home. And to call a place home, you need to feel safe. You need to feel like you have a way to make a living for your family. You need to have connections. You need to have meaningful connections to other people in the community. You need to know that your government is looking out for you. So uh, the folks of Newbridges really wanted to make sure that immigrants in this community had the resources that they need. And it started oftentimes um, with helping folks who had medical bills. People were coming to the community using the hospital system because they had medical needs and then they were had these hospital bills that they, they weren't sure what to do with. And Newbridges was able to talk them through that. But there was also uh, an, an, an aspect of helping the community understand what folks were experiencing. So in the very early days, there were learning tours where folks from Newbridges would go to people in the community and say, hey, here's why folks are immigrating to this community. Here's the forces that are maybe the push forces, but also the pull forces. Um, and here's what their experience is like, and here's how you can support them. And so all of that continues to this day at New Bridges, but specifically um, we're focusing more now on helping folks with their immigration needs. You might know that our immigration system is very complicated. It's very difficult to navigate if you're not an English speaker, and there's also a lot of expenses to tie to these really important forms, really important documents that people need in order to make a living. Uh, even a simple work authorization form, which enables a person to earn a living, costs $410 to file, and it's Again, it's not easy to file if you don't have really good English reading and speaking skills. Uh, and then there's other things like you know becoming a lawful permanent resident. There's a lot that can go wrong in that process. And so Newbridges, really since 2015, has focused its effort on providing affordable and reliable immigration representation to members of this community. That's a great. Would you be able to tell us like um, what is the population that you're serving? Like, yeah. What do you see across our community? Absolutely. Well, you guys know our community is incredibly right. diverse yes. um, because of the refugee resettlement office we have here, church world service, um, as well as all the other immigration from all over the world. Um, but our clients are primarily, I would say, eight out of ten are Spanish speakers. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I think the main one is that oftentimes folks that immigrate from Central or South America uh, don't qualify as refugees. So they haven't been eligible for refugee resettlement services. They've come for economic opportunities. Um, they've come you know, through other ways. And so they're often the ones that have the least amount of support when they arrive in the community um, and are the ones that you know, benefit the most from our services. But we also support people from the Middle East. Um, this year, especially because of the war in Ukraine, 
Um, we've been supporting a lot of Ukrainians. And so I would say the other two out of 10 are folks from all over the world. That's great. Russell, um, that's exciting news. I know that uh, I was wondering as I, as I hear your story, um, it's almost like God prepared you yeah. as in your younger years mm-hmm. to experience what immigration was. Mm-hmm. And... And to know the importance of having someone next to you yeah. to walk you through and to welcome you in a new culture, a new community. Sure. And, uh, and it's to the point that you yourself said today that uh, you feel more Ukrainian mm-hmm. when you left that country. So is those, do you see that? Does that have anything to do with what are you doing today? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's... I think that's why I was drawn to this work, and I think that's one reason why they gave me the job. Um, you know, I've lived a very, very blessed life, a very privileged life, um, and I think that every day I, I try to understand more and more of what folks who come to New Bridges are experiencing because uh, there's a, a great deal of trauma that folks have experienced, and there's just so much hardship. And I wouldn't say that my experience was nearly as hard, but I definitely have the empathy Um, the ability to know what it's like to step into a situation where you just you don't know who to ask for help Uh, you realize in and of yourself you don't have the capacity to kind of make this transition to make this change uh, and yet you're willing to do whatever it takes and that's one thing that I'm just so amazed um, by every day and it brings me to tears sometimes is the resourcefulness um, the the hardworking ability uh, just the the intense Um, willingness to do whatever it takes of our our immigrant neighbors um, you know just so it's just so unfair to ever call them lazy which some folks in the world want to do they want to say they come here to take and benefit and not contribute and it's just so it's just so false you know immigrants to this community um, come because we've said that this is a a land of opportunity Um, they've come because they know that they can find those opportunities here And yeah, they're willing to do whatever it takes. So I, I feel like my role is just to help make sure that these people who are really amazing aren't shortchanged by our systems. They're not left hanging by government inadequacy or you know, our, our inability to put things in other language, which is just staggering to me. Uh, like why all the forms that you know, are for public benefits should be in a language that the public speaks, you know? And if it's just that, that's keeping somebody from you know, being to where they need to be, gosh, I'm glad that we might be able to do that. Yes. So. Yeah. I hope I answered your question. Yes, yeah. So um, tell me about the your staff. I imagine you don't do these alone, right? Yeah. So tell, tell us about your staff. Like, uh, do you have a staff? What do they do? How many are in? Sure, sure. So our staff right now is, um, we're quite small. We're just four people. Um, and... Two of our staff are case managers, are folks who actually are immigrants themselves. So one is a gentleman named Ricardo from Guatemala um, who immigrated a long, a long time ago. And another is a woman named Mariela from Bolivia. And there are two case managers. And uh, Mariela handles the immigration side of things. And Ricardo handles just all the other what we call resources and referrals. So um, they are the people really doing the work. And part of my goal is to help facilitate that, make sure they have all the resources that they need and um, give them any any kind of training that they need to have. But um, yeah, Mariela is the one right now who's helping people navigate those complex immigration things. And then Ricardo, uh, really, he helps people in so many ways. He'll translate 
really important documents for them. He'll help set up consular appointments for them. Even this year, um, our staff um, assisted a woman in making an escape plan from an abuser. Um, her, her, her spouse, her partner, actually was abusing her and threatening to deprive her of her green card, um, kind of using that as leverage. And our staff helped her to form an escape plan and then helped her get access to uh, a new green card in her new location. So they're really amazing people, and I'm super grateful that we have them. And, yeah. Okay, so you, you, you mentioned um, Ricardo mm-hmm. and Mariela. Mm-hmm. And you, and then who, who else? Is oh, yeah, there? yeah, sorry. We have um, Leia, who does kind of our bookkeeping and grant writing, and, you know, it's important to keep all those things mm-hmm. in line. And we actually have a couple interns right now as well who are just, yeah, helping to intake people. And it takes like a lot of people to, to do great yeah. work. Yeah, and, and we'd always love to have more, you know. Yeah. The, the more people we have, is the more, you know, meetings and appointments we can schedule and the more forms we can file and the... So, yeah, it would always be great to grow our capacity. Wow. Sounds like a lot. So in the middle of all of that, tell us what will be today your greatest need? Like, what is the organization's greatest need? Sure. So this year um, concluded a strategic planning process and realized that we wanted to, to dive deeper and lean more heavily into this legal work that we're doing. And I've actually already begun a search for an attorney. So our work previously on the legal side has been done by accredited representatives. They're folks licensed by the Department of Justice to do immigration work. Um, there's limitations to that, and so we've, we've said we want to go even further with this, provide even more kinds of representation, especially for folks who are victims of trafficking and crime. There's special um, visa processes for them, and we would love to have an attorney that has that expertise who could you know, take the services we provide and make them more robust. So the search is actually underway. Um, we'd love to find someone who's bilingual in Spanish and English um, and has this experience and, and is going to kind of lead this specific program kind of into its next evolution. You know, along with that is, is funding, of course. It's a new position, and attorneys, you know, salaries are a bit higher than the credit representatives. So we're, at, we're actually in the midst of a fundraising, end-of-year fundraising campaign to bring in $50,000 to help fund this position. And thankfully, we have a match for $25,000. So mm. we're already halfway there. Um, but that's really, that's our hope right now, is to find that person who can really you know, provide this care to our community um, in a new way. Wonderful. Wow. Yeah. So um, hmm. along with that, then, Rosal, mm-hmm. uh if you were able to dream big mm. and you had all the resources mm. that you know that uh, could make this happen, yeah. let's dream. What will sure. uh, New Bridges will be doing and will look like? Yeah, so big, 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 big dreams. Go big, yeah. go wow. big. <laughs> uh, I think that you know the sky. <laughs> the sky really is the limit in terms of. For one, I would love to see. Um, a really, really community-wide, especially on behalf of our uh, Hispanic community. You know, you guys here have such a strong Spanish-speaking congregation. I know there's a couple other churches that have Spanish-speaking congregations, and then there's also just the Hispanic churches themselves. I would love to see just kind of a more united um, resource center that kind of all of us work together in and 
there's all these great pockets of, of work happening in the community, but to be more united on some of it is something I'd love to see. Um, but for Newbridge specifically, man, we've dreamed about a traveling unit for immigration representation. So imagine we have like a van, it's outfitted with you know a desk and, and a seat, and we pull up to you know a work, bus. yeah, a workplace <laughs> or a school, and we say, hey, our you know folks here. You might have questions about your immigration status or what, you know, your benefits or maybe you've got something going on or and we go to the people and be where the people are a little bit more. You know, it's so hard sometimes for folks to schedule appointments, you know, nine to five because they're working and they have children. And so that would be really neat, a traveling immigration unit. Um, I'd also just love to have like a, a, our office be a resource center, but also like a community center so that you could come and just hang out and maybe you're going through a, like a tough moment and you could just come and talk with a social worker or something or you, know, you need help um, scheduling an appointment with a doctor's office. I'd love to just be able to have more wraparound services for folks and because so many times our meetings go from our consultation where the client goes from, oh yeah, I'm experiencing this, but it also turns out I'm doing this and I really could use some, I really need like something over here. All right, well, we've got this, and we've kind of got this, but we'll have to refer you out for this one. And that's okay. That's great to partner with other folks. Um, but to be able to offer services you know, all around would be really neat. And then i just say one more thing is um, I'd love for New Bridges to you know, have folks on our staff that speak all the languages that are spoken in this community. Yeah. Um, you know, we, now we have Spanish and Russian. That's great. Right. You know, we've got right. twice as many languages as we had right. before. But a French speaker would be really great. We have so many Africans who are French speakers, Swahili, you know, Kurdish. Um, and I think sometimes those communities, um, you know, they're here. They're not as big in number, but they, they still have, have needs. And I'd love to be able to support them more with having all those languages spoken in our office. That's neat that you mentioned that, Russell, because I uh, volunteer uh, once a month here at our food pantry, Hope yeah. Distributed, and uh, we have a lot of people that can translate Spanish, but sometimes there's been quite a few Ukrainian families that have come in, and I know we have a couple Russian and Ukrainian-speaking families in our church, um, but it's just not as widespread. So having people can speak multiple languages, because like you said, our community is very diverse and has many different languages. If somebody's listening today and maybe they speak one of those languages, how could they get a hold of New Bridges? What phone number, email, what's the best way for them to get a hold of? Sure, great question. Um, they can always email us at info at newbridgesirc.org. Um, and just say, hey, I speak this language. Let me know if you ever need an interpreter or something like that. Um, our office number is on our website, easy to find there. So. And uh, what are, um, uh, Pastor Felicidad mentioned needs, what if somebody was wanting to donate to New Bridges, whether they were donating financially or donating time, is there any way for them to volunteer or a way to donate financially also? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So to donate financially, again, super easy. Go to our website. There's a big donate button right at the top of the page, um, and they can do that, you know, with just with their credit card information, 100% secure. All that. Um, if they want to just get more connected to the organization, you know, they can always reach out to us by email. I'd love to talk with them and just hear about their passion for the community, how they might be willing to serve, and 
you know, um, actually one thing coming up, I forgot to mention, we're, we're hoping to do a, um, get involved in some tax clinics this upcoming year. We know that there's some provided by the community, but they quite, haven't quite had the language ability to work with everybody. So we're looking for interpreters for those, but also ex- people who have experience doing ta- who might want to help people with their taxes. Um, that'd be a really neat thing for this upcoming spring. That's great. I just love, you know, your passion uh, for our community and then have you have, um, like, channeled that through this perfect organization that, uh, you know, God had placed uh, in yeah. a way. And with everything that is happening in Ukraine uh, this year, I don't think it is a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Russell, just to wrap up, Tell us, what are you doing these? What what do you do these? Mm. What do you do? What are you doing right now? Besides, yeah. you know, you told us that it was a job and stuff, but uh, behind that, what keeps you sure. getting up and loving a community, doing these? What you, what sure. So I'm one of those folks that believes that um, God can place a call on your life uh, and, and essentially uh, say, like, hey, this is how... I'm going to use what I've given you, um, whether it's your experiences or your skill set. or And so, yeah, I think that when I wake up in the morning and I think about going into the office and trying to make New Bridges the best organization it can be, I just think it's because he said, this is the work I have for you. My people are here in this community, um, and I've commanded you, I've instructed you to care for them the same way you'd care for your family. Um, you know, it's easy to think of, you know, stories like the Good Samaritan. I think that one gets, you know, overused in the wrong way, but it's really simple to, to just say like, this is, I see somebody in my community who, who deserves, um, who really, I guess, I, I don't know, there's an unfairness aspect to it. I just think it's unfair for someone to live in this community and to pay taxes when they buy their groceries and to, you know, contribute to our economy to not have all of the benefits and not have all the security that other members have, which so there's an unfairness thing, an injustice. I think God is wants us to correct, but there's also just the heart that He has for His people, and I really do think He's commanded me to help bring His kingdom into this community. And I know that I'm just a I'm just a guy, you know. Um, I, I wish there's all all these days I come against my inadequacies, my shortcomings, my inabilities, but. I'm just trying to be faithful to the work for right now and um, and just hope that it bears fruit. And There's a lot of trust you have to have in that because uh, some days, you, you know, you don't see things happening. And you're wondering, well, what's, you know, uh, what's happening? I thought that this was, you know, things are going to move and we're going to be able to make a big difference. And some days you don't feel that, but you just have to trust that, that, that you're, if you're in the right place and you're being obedient, that mm-hmm. uh, that God will use it. So my faith is, is essential to that and... Well, uh, Russell, uh, thank you for joining us today on Hope Talks. Just in closing, anything that we haven't asked already or that you haven't shared already that you might want to share? Yeah, this is a little bit. Um, I don't talk about this every day, but some days I I get really fired up about um, just the the political nature of this conversation and how and uh, and and I understand why some folks might have a an issue or they make, they really make a big issue about people who come into this country without proper documentation. Um, and I would just encourage anybody listening today that 
that struggles with that, to just learn a little bit more about what it is that folks who enter this country that way are, are coming, you know, trying to get it from. Um, and, and just encourage you to think about how even if someone's in this community and you may not have the, you don't feel good about how they got here, um, they're still here in our community. And I, and I still think that we have a, uh, and a moral obligation to kind of care for them. I think it's easy to say, well, you know, they, they don't, you know, they may not have been across the border exactly the right way. So therefore they deserve to live, you know, be second class citizens. I, that's one thing that I would encourage our community to, to think deeply about. Well, uh, Russell, I'm just going to say a prayer for you and for the organization in closing. Thank you. Um, Lord, I just thank you uh, for Russell and uh, for uh, his life and his testimony and how you're using him uh, with new bridges. I pray for his family as well as new bridges and uh, those that work with him and partner alongside of him and uh, the people in our community that they minister to and help, Lord, and uh, just bless their ministry into the future. Uh, and I uh, just uh, thank you for the time that uh, we've had today to hear from him. And I ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Russell, for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, just uh, real quickly, if you don't mind giving the website again. And yeah, sure. It's uh, www.newbridgesirc.org. And uh, do you all have an office phone number, just in case somebody's listening that might not have uh, yeah. internet, uh, they might have a way to get a hold of you all. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's uh, 540-438-8295. Thank you, Russell. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as we've talked with Russell Leary about new bridges today, that it truly has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hope Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe for all the updates and latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg or Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.